0: Welcome to Stoked with Megan McPhail, the podcast that helps you get super effing jazzed about your work, life, and bank account. I'm your host, Megan McPhail, a former burnt-out emergency veterinarian that quit my hard-earned career to become a seven-figure business coach, entrepreneur, and elopement photographer. Now I'm living a life I absolutely love, full of travel, adventure, and financial abundance, and I am hell-bent on inspiring others to do the same. Are you ready to say goodbye to the 9-to-5 grind and start going after some big, bold dreams? Then let's dive into this week's episode. Hey, hey, it's your host Megan McPhail. And today I have a really exciting podcast episode for you guys. I have Laura from Together We Roam. She is an elopement photographer based out of Colorado. She's one of my faves because she went through the elopement photographer mastermind with me. She is inspirational. She's cool. And we have hung out in Mexico together. We've hung out in Colorado. We've hung out in New Mexico together. She is an amazing photographer. She's also a business coach now, which I'm so excited. And she has a really cool story. So I'm really excited to have her. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thanks so much, Megan. I'm so excited
1: to be here and have this conversation with you.
0: (laughs) Yes, I'm so pumped. So let's just dive right into some of your backstory. Like, let's just get into it because you are a child of immigrants. And you have had significant kind of like disadvantages through this whole process of building your own business. And now it's like your favorite thing ever. And you're living your dream life. Let's just get right into your history, your backstory.
1: So yeah, I am a child of immigrants, and I had a very different upbringing than a lot of the people that I grew up with here. I was brought here when I was a baby. I was not born here, so I was brought here illegally, and that played in a lot into like the way that I was brought up and the things and opportunities that I was able to have. And just a little more backstory on like being a child of immigrants, coming here My family literally just left everything that they knew back home and they brought us here for a better life, just like every other immigrant when they come to this country. And that put a lot of pressure on me because I was like, they came here now I'm expected to break a lot of like generational curses and like build generational wealth, which is something that I have always felt so much pressure to do. And I've always known that I wanted to help people because of that. That's a lot of pressure,
0: right? I mean, yeah, I have a bunch of friends who are like, first generation Americans. And yeah, they're expected to be doctors and lawyers and just like, kind of almost pay it back to their parents for bringing them here. And like, that's a lot of freaking pressure. And I know it's been a toll on you for a long time.
1: Yeah. And this is definitely a topic that makes me emotional every time I talk about it, because that is just something that no like child should be like, Feeling as they're growing up, you know, because it really strips away like ha- actually even having a childhood and just having this pressure to perform and like be better and like make that sacrifice that your parents made.
0: Yeah, make it worth it for them, kind of.
1: Yeah, like make it worth it for them and for ourselves too. I always knew with all of that in mind that I wanted to help people and part of my path was to get into nursing school and go to college. And I did experience so many hurdles when I started doing that because being here illegally, I couldn't go to college. A lot of colleges didn't allow me to go there or I would get charged out-of-state tuition. So I had all of these hurdles. And at some point, DACA, which is like a sort of protection for children of immigrants who came here and were practically raised here.
0: Is it called a DACA recipient?
1: Yeah. So that came into play once I graduated from high school and that allowed me to go to college. So I was able to go to college and because I wanted to help people, my first option in my head was let me become a nurse and I went and I took all the prereqs. I was about to apply to the nursing program, and something told me that probably wasn't something that I wanted to do. And I kind of made it mean something about myself that I was like a bad person because I didn't want to help people by being a nurse. But I decided to switch my path and did medical assisting. So that I can see if I wanted to become a nurse. And I did a lot of things in my hospital career. I did medical assisting, lab technician, and all of that stuff. And I fucking hated it because I think along the way of my journey from being able to work legally in this country, I learned that it didn't matter if I went to school at this point and graduated because I was just going to go from one jail to another jail I was still going to feel stuck. I was still going to feel like I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. And I, I like realized that that wasn't the American dream that my parents came here for. My parents came here to give me a better life. But if the better life was going to cost my quality of life and like what I was able to do with it, then it wasn't going to be really worth it anymore.
0: Yes. Let's unpack the whole going from one jail to another jail thing, because this is so true. And this is why your story is so cool and why I have this podcast. Right. Because you went from, you know, you were here in this country illegally, even though you did not know any other country because you were brought here as a baby. You grew up pretty much American. But because you were illegal, I remember you telling me, like, it was scary because if you were out, And like something happened, and like police were involved or something. You like, could you get deported? Could you get a driver's license? I mean, you were really, this was your country. This is the only country you've ever known, but you felt trapped just growing up with the pressures of your parents and then also being illegal. And then as you're able to work legally in this country, it's like you're getting paid just enough to maybe kind of survive, not really, but like, yeah, you're dealing with all the. Shit that goes on in the in our healthcare system. You're working all the time. And yeah, it's literally just from one situation where you feel like you can't do what you want to do to another situation where you feel like you can't do what you want to do, which is the corporate America (laughs) capitalism (laughs) in this country. Literally. Right? (laughs) So yeah, from one jail to another jail is what you went through. And you're like, this blows, right?
1: Yeah. And that feeling was the exact same. Like I said before, it it was that feeling of stuckness and feeling like I couldn't do anything. And people were always telling me, no, like before it was like, no, you can't drive. No, you can't get a job here. No, you can't apply for a loan so that you can go to school. No, you can't go to fucking college. And how was I supposed to have a better life here in that situation. And when I was finally able to work legally, when I was finally able to like get that job, go to college, the same exact thing was happening. I was still being told, no, no, you can't go out on vacation for two weeks. No, you can't get a raise. Here's your 30 cent raise for busting your ass for a whole year. Like, no, you can't have a mental health day. And so the feelings were really like the exact same different situations, but what it was bringing up was the same. And that's when I realized, you know, this, I have to figure something else else out.
0: Yeah. And so let's talk about how when COVID hit, And they were telling you, no, you can't have proper, what is that called? PPA. I can't even remember. And I used to be a doctor. (laughs) PPT. (laughs) Here's your one crusty mask that you get, you know, and like, (laughs) here's a garbage bag.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, COVID for me was the last straw, as I'm sure it was for any healthcare professional, like most of us, at least. I feel like it just happened so fast and then nobody was prepared and we were getting treated like literal garbage (laughs) and being told that we had to like work at doing COVID testing because there was no other hours for us to work. And at this time I was actually working as a float where I would go to different hospitals and help out. So I didn't really have a home base. So that was my only option. Was to just to work there, and that was going to be the only way that I could make money. And they were treating us like literal garbage. Like I said, they were not giving us new masks. They would make us clean our little gowns, you know, the reusable ones that you're supposed to throw. Away.
0: Yeah, after <laughs> right one year. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and I mean, there's all of these protocols that just went out the window. Like, oh, you want to use your N95 mask twice. Like that used to be like,
0: not done yet.
1: Yeah. And they would make us put our N95 masks in these little like brown paper bags and say like, hold them this way and like put them face down so that you don't contaminate. And I was like, are you serious? But it was a very uncertain time because we didn't know what COVID was going to, like what it was and what was going to happen to us if we did catch COVID. So it was super stressful and it didn't matter how many times we brought this up and said like, you know, we need to have proper gear. And we would always just get shoved to the side and be like, just do it this way. Just clean it with the sani wipes, just wipe them down. And I mean, we all knew that it wasn't really doing anything, like wiping stuff down, like they didn't, care that this was a threat to our health they weren't paying us extra money to test people and the people that were coming in were so angry all the time which is understandable because it was a stressful time and we were just getting like the end of the stick every single time and they just didn't care so
0: yeah i quit <laughs> yeah awesome so you quit which yes like i love it when people quit their jobs so How did you become an elopement photographer? Because people ask me that question all the time, too. Like you go from medicine and healthcare to elopement photography. Like how did that happen? So
1: I don't have a a super cool story like everybody. I didn't grow up with a camera in my hand. I literally (laughs) I loved being outdoors. I would take pictures. We bought a camera and then I took pictures of my little sister for her senior photos. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I'm kind of good at this and i kind of explored the world of elopement photography after those things kind of came together and then i decided that this was exactly what i want to do right now and it was super fun and exciting to like help people get married in these epic places that i'm already hanging out in and that's really what kind of got me started with that
0: yeah i love that and you're very you're like outdoorsy i know you and your husband go camping and you're like always out hiking and stuff like that. So like, it makes sense that you would want to pursue a job that includes those things. So tell me what that beginning journey of becoming an elopement photographer was like, like, what did your family think? What did you think? Were you like, this is crazy? So I
1: didn't think it was crazy. I felt like it had potential to become a business, and I remember telling Ugo all the time, like, "We're gonna do this full time. We're gonna do this full time. Trust me." And he was always skeptical, af per usual. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "You think it's so easy just to leave your job, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Just
0: watch. You just just watch you him. just watch me. That's like such a great like mindset.
1: <laughs> like it's gonna work." And Yeah. I remember telling my parents and they were like, is there even money to be made doing photography? Like, why are you going to leave your secure hospital job? Like, why are you going to do any of that? But I think COVID really shifted my parents' perspective because my dad was like, it's dangerous to be working in the hospital. You need to leave. Yeah. So I think with them, it was a little bit easier at that time. But whenever I would express this change to like, my colleagues or like friends, they would be like, oh my God, you're like, you're dumb. (laughs) Why are you going to leave? You're going to lose your benefits. What about your health insurance? And I'm like, (laughs) my health insurance doesn't even cover anything. And I'm paying like a monthly fee (laughs) and I still have to pay shit when I go there. So what's the point? Yeah. And yeah, everybody thought I was crazy. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I remember when you joined the mastermind You told me something like, I know I can make this work and like, I'm on the verge of greatness or something like that. You could see that you were going to be a success, but there are just some missing pieces, right? What were those missing pieces? Like, how did you go from kind of like struggle bus and then getting Ugo on board as a videographer? Like, what was that journey like?
1: So I feel like I was doing okay. I was able to replace my like hospital income, which wasn't that much, but I was on the struggle bus because again, I wanted to have Ugo get out of that hospital and like stop working there. And I feel like I hit a stump because I took courses and I did everything that they said to do and it wasn't working. Like it, it really like just only got me so far. And I remember listening to you talk about stuff. And I'm like, this girl, she knows what I need. Like, she knows how (laughs) how to help me. And I understand everything she's saying. Everything she's saying is very digestible. And I feel like I'm doing everything that she's talking about. But something is missing. So I need to message Megan and see, like, what the fuck is going on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I joined the mastermind and... Honestly, a lot of things changed. I know I mentioned this to you before. Like, I feel like the biggest thing that you helped me with was my mindset Mm -hmm. shifts because I already had a lot of the knowledge for strategies. I already knew about like SEO and like all the marketing stuff. And I felt like I was doing well with that stuff. But I was having a lot of like money mindset blocks. I was having a lot of things blocking me from showing up authentically on social media Mm -hmm. and like on my website copy and everything else. And I feel like you really just almost gave me that permission to be myself, to raise my prices. And I say permission because as like employees, like nine to five employees, we're so freaking used to asking permission when we want to do anything. Yeah. And I feel like when you're transitioning out, it's really hard when you're on your own. And you are trying to do something and you block your own self from doing it. Because again, you're just so used to it. It's nice to have somebody to say, yes, you're going the right way. Like you're doing what you should be doing. You're not fucking up.
0: Yeah. And that's just as powerful as when I tell people like you're doing this wrong or you're not doing this at all and you need to be. It is just as powerful when I tell people like this is something you are doing right because you could have been doing it still wondering like, should I be putting time and energy into this thing? You know, like you don't know 100% if it's right or not. So me just being like, yeah, you're doing it. You're doing the right thing is very powerful. And I remember you telling me that you were really afraid to raise your prices because you were afraid that you were going to actually like be out of budget for the people that you really wanted to work with. But that didn't really end up being the case once you did raise your prices, right?
1: Yes. So... I'm a person of color and something that's really important to me is to work within my community as well. And I had this belief that I had to be cheap so that I can stay accessible for my community. And that is a lie. Mm -hmm. I am now averaging like six to $7,000 elopement packages and my... Clients are all very, very diverse, which I am super happy about. But that was one of the biggest things that held me back as a person of color, like working in a white dominated industry and like something that is like very out of the norm, like elopements in general for a lot of people are out of the norm. But yeah, I struggled raising my prices
0: because of that. Yeah. You struggled to raise your prices because you still wanted to serve people of color, but those have become some of your biggest cheerleaders and clients and people of all kinds of backgrounds and races. And like, you have a very diverse clientele, which is amazing. And we need more diversity in the elopement space. It is very much dominated by white women.
1: It is. And I... I actually got off a call last night with a couple and they found me on Google and they're like, you're the only brown person in the entire, like, (laughs) on the whole first page and second page of Google, you're the only brown person I saw on there. And I mean, that's kind of sad, but I kind of hope that I can inspire more people who are interested in this type of, doing this type of work to pursue it and know that it's possible for them as well.
0: Totally. And this is a great segue into kind of one of your new passions, which is business coaching and helping people that are children of immigrants and people of color. Like let's chat about what your like next level is because you've you've hit the six figures. You helped Ugo retire from his job. He's a videographer. Like you're doing great as far as your you know elopement photography business you did that quick as hell too let's let's <laughs> give you a round of applause for that but you have a next level let's talk about what this next level is what are you going after now
1: i know i mentioned at the beginning that i've always wanted to help people and i think that i just didn't know how i wanted to help them and i've found how that's going to happen for me now through business coaching and right now my goal is to teach as many children of immigrants, people of color, to really emancipate themselves from corporate America by building their own business and really becoming free of that jail.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because remember, we talked about this. And like, yeah, the only way for any of us, but especially children of immigrants, like the only way to really free yourself, to have that freedom, to have money, is becoming an entrepreneur. You can work from anywhere in the world. But yeah, you want to emancipate as many people that have similar backstories as you from corporate America, because that's how you free yourself. That's how you get this American dream.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it really opens up that option, like you said, to work from anywhere in the world. And it's so, so important for people within this community to have those available to them. Because as a former like DACA recipient, I remember always, every single year, DACA gets threatened to get removed. And if they remove DACA, that means all these people lose their jobs, all these people don't have a way to make money to survive. And they're already in survival mode. Just because they are able to work here legally does not mean that they're okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really, like opens up options that we also talked about where now i feel like i have so many options in my life i can live wherever i want i can make money from any place in the world if i were a daca recipient and they took it away and i got deported for whatever reason i could make money from my a country <laughs> and this is like super powerful and super important for people in this community. And that really just inspires me to help them to get to that point.
0: Yes. I love that so much. I'm getting teary eyed now because I know (laughs) how hard you've worked for all of this. And I know you always get emotional talking about this and the fact that everybody told you no for such a long time about everything. And then now like, To the listeners, Laura and I just went on a hike in Colorado and we were chatting mostly because it was a hard hike and we were getting out of breath, or I was. (laughs) So we would stop and have long convos while the boys went on up. And then we're talking about, you know these options because Laura wants to buy another house. She wants to spend time in Mexico, maybe buy another house in Mexico. There's like travel. There's just so much freedom. And I feel that. And I'm like, Oh, I have all these options. Cool. And it's like, but these options for you, Laura, growing up hearing no about literally everything, your whole life. Like that just gives me chills to think how amazing those options are for you that you have the money and the freedom and the power to do those things and have this kind of like control over your life that you've never had before. That's so cool. (laughs) And you're going to help other people do that. Like that is so much cooler than helping people as a nurse. You are literally going to change people's lives. And I just love seeing it. And I just know that there's like so many big things that are going to come your way and you're going to have so many wins and I'm just so excited
1: for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Megan. I wouldn't be here without your help.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, how does that feel to realize, because you probably don't celebrate your successes enough. How does it feel to get to that point with all these options and the fact that you're going to change people's lives? What are you feeling right now?
1: So it's crazy because I was actually thinking about that this morning and I downplay every single thing because I don't know. I don't know why I do that, but yeah. I was just really sitting in that feeling of like, I did that shit. <laughs> like I was told no my whole life. Everybody always said, oh, you want to be this? You're not going to be able to because you live here or you're going to have to like go back to your country, even though. I probably wouldn't make it over there either because I don't know Spanish like that to go to college. And it just feels like fake (laughs) Mm -hmm. to say that because nobody else around in my family and nobody else around me is really to this point in their life where they have all of these options and they're able to say that stuff and they're able to say, Oh yeah, like I could I could help you do that during the week because I don't have to work, but I'm still doing things.
0: <laughs> now you're still making money. <laughs> yeah, I'm still mm-hmm. making
1: money. It makes me feel really good about, about everything and just proud of myself for like using all of the resiliency that I've built my entire life to pursue something that I love now that supports me financially. And that is eventually going to help me help other people in my family, even not just it's not just about coaching other people it's also about helping my family build generational wealth
0: and like helping them have a better quality of life yeah and it's so crazy to think that you know you i mean you had to completely change the stories that you've told yourself and that your parents have told yourself and that society in america has told you your whole life you had to like rewrite all that stuff to make this happen so you should definitely be incredibly proud of that and like resilience like is a huge part of that and like I just yeah it's just so cool to see and I'm so excited and happy that you were on this podcast to share your story because I think a lot of people don't realize how much goes into building these businesses and how much heart is in it and how much strength is in it and how much you have to kind of overcome to go after these dreams like it's a lot but then you get there and it's like now you get to be an inspiration for all those people and now you get to inspire more diverse people to go after elopement photography or go after entrepreneurship in general and like that's so cool like the trickle effects of all of this is just so amazing so I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your heart and being emotional and all of those things, because I know it's going to help people. And where can people find you and kind of learn more about your story? Because I know you have your elopement photography and your business coaching on Instagram. So why don't you share those things so people can follow you?
1: Okay. But first, I want to say thank you so much for having me here. I am so happy to be having this conversation with you and sharing it. You guys can find me at Together We Roam Photo for my elopement photography business and at Biz with Laura on Instagram and TikTok. And then Laura or Laura at the end has two A's because it's like Laura. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we'll, we'll link it in the show notes too. So definitely follow our journey. And thanks so much for being on here. Thank you, Megan. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Stoked with Megan McPhail. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. If you're looking for more inspiring content, check us out on Instagram at Stoked with Megan McPhail. And to learn more about my business coaching and how I can personally help you quit your 9 to 5, visit my website at meganmcphail.com. I hope this leaves you feeling stoked. See you next week.